The Joe Mays and J-Rap Show is brought to you in part by Mays Sandwich Shop, serving delicious hometown favorites to the Westlawn community since 1947. listening to the Joe Mays and J-Rap Show, bringing you the latest news and commentary on baseball. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, stuck him out! The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball! Hockey. College football. But now Blackman is going to put it up on first down. He's going for the bundle. Garrity! Touchdown! And the NFL. The Denver Broncos are world champions. They have just won Super Bowl 50. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the 217th episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. I am your solo host this evening, Joe Mays. Unfortunately, my co-host, Justin Raffoff, is still a bit under the weather, uh, but we wish him well and hope he's feeling better soon and can join me once again on our flagship show, the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show, as well as our other endeavor, the Bulldog Hour, which covers the Wilson High School football program from West Lawn, Pennsylvania, and uh, we've been doing a quite well with it. We have seven shows out already this year, and we're going to be recording episode eight next weekend, or I hope we will be. I, I will be for certain. Uh, but So if you're interested in Wilson Bulldogs football, check out bulldoghour.com. But we're here to talk a little bit of professional football tonight, perhaps even touch on a little bit of the, uh, the step in between the collegiate level, because something's been brewing in Happy Valley over the last uh, month, six weeks or so. And has a lot of the blue and white faithful very, very excited. So perhaps we'll touch on that. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to be talking NFL action, primarily the week 10 slate that happened or mostly happened today. Obviously, there was a Thursday game. There's a game tonight and there's a game tomorrow, but there was uh, some very intriguing matchups, some exciting and excruciating games for sure. And, uh, you know, we're going to dive right into those after I tell you how you can contact us. And uh, the, the best way to do that is probably through email. And you can do that at um, the May Sandwich Shop email inbox, which is jomaysandjraff at gmail.com. Or you can call the May Sandwich Shop hotline. And that number to call us is 530 530- Five six three six two nine seven. Again, the May Sandwich Shop hotline is five three zero five six three six two nine seven. And we're also all over social media, primarily Facebook and Twitter. And if you want more information, please visit JoeMaysAndJRAF.com. All right, so NFL Week Ten. Very very exciting games. Games coming down to the wire. Games. Games that were decided in the final seconds, in the final minutes. 
some low scoring games, some high scoring games, some crazy outcomes, unexpected. Uh, but let's start with the first game on the slate this week, which was the Thursday night game, um, featuring a winless team and a team surprisingly in first place in the division. And that is the Cleveland Browns visiting the Baltimore Ravens. And this one looked like it could be an upset. The Ravens, you know, coming in at four and four, but somehow in first place in the AFC North with the Steelers, uh, you know, suffering a bit with Big Ben's injury and, uh, and dropping a couple games in a row. And I also got blown up by Philly earlier in the year. And then you have the Browns sitting at 0 and 9. And you're thinking, hmm. When are they going to get a win? Is that even possible? Well, at halftime of this one, Browns at Ravens, Cleveland was up 7-6. to six, And people started to think, well, if they're going to do it, this might be their best chance to do it. And then they got shut out in the second half. One solo touchdown the entire game. Ravens exploded for 22 in quarters 3 and 4 combined. And Baltimore gets that win, 28-7. to seven. Ravens improved to 5-4. and four, have at least Will be at least tied for first place in the division, pending the games that happened today. And the Browns dropped to 0 and 10, and they are just a, a mess. Apparently, finally, people are starting to uh, get a little worried in Cleveland. Which at 0 and 10, you got to think that's probably a probably a good thing to be uh, to have people feel worried. Um, you know, kind of get some accountability in there. But again, it's first year head coach. They cycle through quarterbacks. You know, they pop those like they're Skittles. Last quarterback to win a game for the Browns was Johnny Manziel, so that tells you a lot. But Browns still winless, now double-digit losses. Ravens, a bit of a surprise. I mean, we thought they would be better this year, and they certainly are. But they what, they started 3-0. and I think they dropped four in a row, and now they've won two in a row. So a little inconsistent. They have some issues. Beating the Browns isn't a huge accomplishment. But they got to win when it matters. And in the end, that W, you know, keeps you in first place. So Ravens over Browns on Thursday night. So we're going to start now on the Sunday games in the order that NFL.com has the scores up here for me. And up first is was a close one, a big game in the AFC South, which pretty much solidifies the Jaguars' disappointing season. Losing to the Texans today at home in Jacksonville. 24 to 21. The Jaguars tried to make game of it, scoring 11 points late, but the Texans were able to get a, a field goal, win this one, 24 to 21. Houston uh, is in first place in the AFC South, and you know they're not. We we didn't think that their division was going to be that strong this season. Uh, people expected the Colts to be better. I mean, I'm one of those people. Um, everyone thought the Jaguars would be better, but they're two and seven. Um, I mean, they've lost four in a row now. And you got to think, uh, we already saw their offensive coordinator, Greg Olson, get the can. Is head coach Gus Bradley next? Blake Bortles just hasn't been the quarterback that everyone expected him to be. And honestly, you know, so you got the Tex- Texans now at six and three. Titans five and five, which we'll get to them in a bit. Colts on a bye this week. They're four and five, and the Jaguars lost to Texas, drops them to two and seven. I mean, the Texans, Titans, and Colts are very much alive for the division. Texans in the driver's seat. They've already had their bye along with the Colts and Jaguars. Titans have not, 
and we'll get to their game in a little in just a bit. But the Titans have turned it on, so the Texans they got to keep their their foot on the gas pedal because Tennessee, a surprise team sitting at five hundred, and uh, and keeping it tough on the Texans, and we'll see in the coming weeks what can be made between the, the those two squads, but. Texans get the win over the Jaguars today, 24-21. to One of the crazier endings of NFL Week 10 was Denver Broncos at the New Orleans Saints. The game was 10-3 at halftime, favored the Broncos. Saints scored 14 unanswered to pull ahead 17-10. to Broncos fought back. <clears throat> Saints fought back. And actually, the Saints scored in the final minutes to... Tie the game 23-23. New Orleans lined up to kick the extra point, and Denver blocked it. But not only did they block it, they returned it for two points, giving them the 25-23 win. Absolutely incredible. I mean, what a what an awful way to lose. I, I talked to Justin about this game. Um, you just It's so difficult to even imagine. Um, losing a game like that. Um, it just okay. I'm Clay Matthews, and I'm good at football. Clay Matthews, good. Yeah, well, we'll get to the Packers in a little bit. Not so good right now. Uh, but anyway, so um, uh, the Broncos. Justin Simmons leaped over the uh the field goal uh, blocking unit. He blocked the extra point, and um, Will Parks picked up. He went 84 yards for the defensive two point conversion. Um. It's just, it's absolutely, absolutely crazy to, to see an NFL game end in that matter. But it's, I mean, it's absolutely fun, uh, for something like that to happen in the final two minutes, the final 90 seconds, um, uh, of the game. I, but what a way for the Saints to lose. The Saints have been playing better of late. Um, they're right in the thick of things in the AFC South with uh, some of the other results that happened around the NFL today. But, to see the Saints lose a game like that to the Broncos, wow. Uh, but the Broncos needed to keep pace with uh, the Raiders and Chiefs, who are, are playing good football, and, and the Chargers, um, you know, they haven't gotten everything in the win column that they should have, blowing leads in the fourth quarter, but they're, they're not a pushover, which the Broncos found out earlier this year. Now, a game that wasn't exciting in terms of the scoreboard, but was close, was the L.A. Rams visiting the New York Jets. The Jets started Bryce Petty at quarterback. He got his first ever career start in NFL, and uh, he just produced a grand total of six points. The Rams were able to get three field goals, and they won 9-6. to six. So 9-6. I don't have too much to say about that game because I don't believe it actually impacts much of anything. I know it's early to say that. But Jets Rams not really going to be able to do too much in terms of where they're going to sit in the playoff picture. Neither team going to be challenging. They'll pretty much just be playing spoilers. And the Rams spoiled the Jets today. The turning point right near the end of the game was Rams linebacker Ogletree intercepted Bryce Petty um, in the final minutes of the game, and uh, that gave uh, the Rams the victory, as they say in this recap here. It was a snoozer, and that is for sure. Um, now, my dad texts in, how safe is Jeff Fisher? <laughs> it's it's tough to say. I mean, he is one of those guys. He just kind of sticks around somewhere. He was in 
Houston slash Tennessee for how many years before they finally made a change. He sits out football for a couple years. He ends up back in the NFL uh, in St. Louis and now L.A. when they moved. But the team just hasn't been good under him. Um, actually, let me pull up uh, his coaching record and just see uh, exactly how many times um, he's steered a team to the playoffs or to 10, 10 win seasons. Um, so he started out with the Oilers in 1994. You see, he, he had a great five-year stretch. It really was four out of five years um, when he guided the Rams to the Super Bowl or excuse me, he guided the Titans to the Super Bowl against the Rams, which was was probably the best Super Bowl in my um, early childhood, teenage years because a lot of the Super Bowls when I was growing up were awful. Um, I, I think the, the first Super Bowl or the last Super Bowl I don't remember was um, the Bills Giants Super Bowl where the were wide wide left I think I don't remember that Super Bowl whatever Super Bowl after that I remember watching and none of them were any good none of them were exciting you know the Redskins beat the Bills the Cowboys beat the Bills Cowboys beat the Steelers none of them really were any good and then the uh, after the '99 season the 2000 Super Bowl the Titans and the Rams met and uh, Kurt Warner and the Greatest Show on Turf playing the Titans and Steve McNair that was a great Super Bowl and you know the Titans came up what was it two yards short, two feet short? I mean, it was, they were very close to winning that game on the last play. Um, so Jeff Fisher's known for that team. They, they went, they go 13 and three the next year, um, losing the playoffs. Forgettable year in 01, but then in 02 and 03, they win 11 and 12 games. Next three years does absolutely nothing. Wins 10 plus games in 07, 08, but then doesn't manage to get past 500 the next two seasons. And then he's let go after the 2010 season. So he was in Houston for what, 17 seasons. Uh, so he was there a while, but he only made the playoffs six times. That's unheard of in this day and age where essentially, if you don't win in the first 18 months, you're on the job, you're gone. Well, he's now been in St. Louis. This is his fifth year in St. Louis. He joined the, the Rams franchise in 2012. He has yet to win more than seven games. His best season was uh, his first season in 2012 when they went 7-8-1. and one. They finished third place that year, fourth place back-to-back, and then third place last year. Now, they won today over the Jets. Again, not very exciting. They're sitting at 3-5. and five. Obviously, it's not over yet. They only played eight games. They got eight more to, or eight more to go. But once again, it looks like the Jeff Fisher-led Rams team is probably flirting with around a 500 record, seven and nine, eight and eight. If he'd get to eight and eight, it'd be the most wins he's had with the Rams. Now, is that good enough? Is that progress? I can't answer the question to what the Rams ownership thinks, but you would—I would be shocked if it is. I mean, this many years of of average play, of mediocrity, usually gets coaches fires. I don't know what it is about Jeff Fisher, and I—I I like Jeff Fisher. I wanted him to possibly coach the Dolphins when they were looking for a coach, and he instead went to St. Louis. But he hasn't produced all that many results. You know, he's now, this is his, I think, 23rd year coaching. He has six playoff appearances. That's it. His record is 172-161-1. and That includes this season. You know, he was, uh, he's under 500 as coach of the Rams. So, 
Is he safe? Like my dad asked the question, is Jeff Fisher safe? I mean, with eight games to go, he's safe to get through this year. Unless they would lose their next, you know, eight games and finish three and 13. Um, or, or be on that route and get fired mid season or near the end of the season. But I mean, if they play the way they are now and, and finish six to 10, six and 10 to eight and eight, he gets through the season. But is he back in 2017 for the second year in LA? I, I don't know if, if after five years, you you fail to win more than seven or eight games, it might be time for a shakeup. So, you know, take that as you are. I would normally and under normal circumstances and looking at the way the NFL reacts to coaching records, I would say he probably should be gone. But looking at the history of Jeff Fisher and his coaching tenure in the NFL, that's certainly not a certainty. All right. So we talked about that game for far too long since it was an awful, awful game. Nine to six. Come on. Well, let's get let's get to the local team. Falcons, Eagles, Eagles. Um, you know, started the season out strong. We've talked about it a lot. Started three and zero, but since then they had gone one and four, and losing big games to the Cowboys, the Lions. And now they get to <clears throat> welcome in the Atlanta Falcons, who were one of the better teams in the NFC at least, uh, coming in at six and three. Uh, but they lost a couple games to the Broncos and to the Seahawks, some some of what what appear to be better teams in the NFL. So the Falcons come in with an offense putting up a ton of points. Um, they're one of just nope. They are the only team to um, to breach 300 points um, this early in the season. And actually, I'm not even sure there's many teams close to them. The Chargers are actually. Looks like the Chargers are the next closest team. So the Falcons have been putting up a lot of points. Unfortunately for them, they've also been giving up a lot of points. Almost 300 uh, in and of itself right there. But, I mean, this Falcons-Eagles game, you know, the, the Battle of the Birds in Philadelphia didn't end up being high scoring like the Falcons usually um, compete win or compete in. And that's might be what cost them because they were only able to put up 15 points. The Eagles. Got a lot of points late, two touchdowns late, um, thanks to some interception at the end of the game. Kind of sealed the deal against Matt Ryan, who's unable to win in his uh, home state of Pennsylvania. And the Falcons now drop to 6-4. and four. The Eagles get to move up. And they sit at 5-4 and four now. And, uh, you know, they're just playing for a, a wild card right now because the Cowboys continue to run away with the NFC East, but we'll get to more on that game momentarily because that is certainly one we need to talk about. So the Eagles, nothing flashy, but they get the job done 24 to 15 and they beat a good team. You know, that's what you, they needed to bounce back they, with the losses that they suffered over the last few weeks. This is a game that they kind of needed to win. You know, you hate to say at the halfway point, we must win this game, but if they wanted to show their fans the front office, the ownership, and the rest of the league that they can compete with some of the best. Well, now are the Falcons elite? Are they, you know, an NFC favorite? Eh, at times they've looked that way, uh, playing to just scoring 15 points. Um, not exactly what we expect from them, but it could just be a bump in the road. We'll see what happens. Um, but the Eagles now have that head to head tiebreaker, and that's very important when it comes to uh, 
wild card and, and and playoff positioning. So Eagles get the win, one that they certainly needed. Now a team that in the NFC that had been heating up in recent weeks was the Carolina Panthers, the defending NFC champions. Unfortunately for them, they ran into a team that is probably the one of the most underrated in the entire NFL, not just this year, but over the past couple years. The Chiefs won again, 20-17, to and now quietly, the Kansas City Chiefs are 7-2 and and have won five in a row. They match the Oakland Raiders, who I believe are on a bye this week, at 7-2 and atop the AFC West, with the Denver Broncos, who are a half game back at 7-3. and Denver has not yet had their bye. So three AFC West teams have seven wins. And I said that this is an interesting division to start the year. Since the spring, I've been all over the Raiders. Very happy that they're seven and two because I called that one. Thought the Chiefs would be good, but not this good. Same thing with the Broncos. I actually, I think I said that I thought the Broncos were going to go. I can't, I think I said nine and seven. So they'd have to stumble a little bit down the stretch uh, for them to not be as, as good as I, as I expected them to be. But the Broncos have at time looked very vulnerable. They're not, they're getting inconsistent quarterback play from Trevor Simeon. And while their defense is very good, the offense has not always been able to put up points. Um, and they won kind of on a miracle or, or very fluky play today against the Saints, which we already talked about. So Chiefs beat the Panthers 20 to 17. And, uh, for a long time, it looked like the Panthers were in control of this one. They were up 17 to three at the half, but the Chiefs defense woke up shutting out the Panthers in the second half and the offense or the team was able to put up 17 points in the fourth quarter to steal the victory away from the Panthers. Now the Panthers again, last year lost one regular season game. Well, right now Carolina is in last place in the NFC South at three and six. So things not looking good in Carolina bears, Buccaneers, a game that, much like the Jets, Rams, Bears, Buccaneers, not exactly important. Not one that many people are probably watching. And uh, the Buccaneers came away with the victory, 36-10. to uh, Jameis Winston looking good. Buccaneers getting moving. Bears not able to do anything. Um, kind of hopeless. Can't score. Can't stop anyone. Um, but, you know, that that's not that surprising. No one expected much from the Bears. And other than... Um, other than, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago when they beat the Vikings? Really haven't done much on the whole season. Um, they're one and four in the last five, two and seven on the year. Buccaneers, however, they improved to four and five. Not out of it. You know, them and the Saints sit at four and five. I said the Panthers are three and six. Falcons, despite their loss today, they really Atlanta could have taken control of that division, had a three game lead if they could have beaten the Eagles. But even with the Falcons lost, they still maintain a one and a half game lead. The Falcons have not yet have their bye, so that'll be coming up in the next few weeks. I mentioned the Vikings losing to the Bears two weeks ago. Well, they lost again today to the Redskins. And talk about a huge turnaround, and not in a good way. The Vikings were five and zero, I believe, entering their bye week. And since their bye week, they lost four in a row. They fired their offensive, excuse me, their offensive coordinator stepped down abruptly. Really weird situation. And Norv Turner, guy who's been around the NFL for years, he just ups and leave a couple weeks ago. And the Vikings go from 5-0 and to 5-4, and now into a tie for first place in the division with the Lions. But because of conference or head-to-head tiebreakers, the Lions have the edge. you know. And the Packers, who we haven't talked about yet, 
Uh, Packers still hanging around. Definitely not a team anyone thought they would be. They've lost three in a row. Vikings lost four in a row. Lions on a bye, I believe, this week. Um, sit atop the NFC North and definitely not a, the, not going the way we expected the NFC North race to go. But a big win for the Redskins. Redskins keeping pace um, with the teams of the NFC East vying for second place behind the Cowboys and looking for a wild card berth, one of two. And actually, right now, um, well, your 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 conference, excuse me, your division leaders in the NFC are the Cowboys, Lions, Falcons, and Seahawks. Then the the wild cards would both go to right now. Now I know there's games pending this week, but right now it would go to the Giants and Redskins. Depending on what happens with the Giants uh, in their game, which is Monday night, I believe. Um, depending on the outcome there, the Vikings at five and four also vying for that. Uh, yes, the Giants host the Bengals on Monday Night Football, so. Right now, two NFC East teams in line to get wildcard berths, and uh, they would be the Giants and Redskins. The Eagles would still be on the outside looking in, but at 5-4, and four, they're very much in play, as well are the Vikings, Packers, Bucks, Saints, Cardinals, and technically, yes, the Rams, who I kind of poo-pooed just a few minutes ago, but at 4-5, and five, they are definitely in play for a wildcard. they got to take care of some business. All right, Packers, Titans. I mentioned Packers just, oh, man. They are not the team we thought they were entering the year. They've lost three in a row, most recent to the Titans. That wasn't at Lambeau, but still, I mean, they gave up 35 points in the first quarter, or excuse me, in the first half. They were losing 21 nothing after the first quarter. They got shut out in the first and fourth quarters. 47-25, the Packers have no defense. Aaron Rodgers has nothing going. Um, you know, 25 points is nothing really to laugh at. You know, that, that's a decent showing. Generally in the NFL, if I, my team scores 24 or more, I'd like to win that game. But when your defense is giving up 21 points in the first quarter, 35 in the first half, you're not going to win too many games like that. So the Titans, who I talked about a little bit earlier when we discussed the FC South, they beat up on the Packers 47-25. The Titans um, are at 5-5. Five and five. They still have to have their bye, but they're going to challenge Houston for the AFC South crown. And that would be quite, quite the achievement for them. Uh, they didn't look good at the beginning of the year, but they really can come on over the last month. So kudos to them. Um, and what they're able to do down in Tennessee. All right. 49ers Cardinals. Cardinals looked like they had this one in hand for a while, but the 49ers kept fighting back. Unfortunately for Chip Kelly and San Francisco, the Cardinals came out on top 23 to 20. A late field goal helping Arizona there. Uh, the 49ers kept pressing, but you know just couldn't finish the, the job. 49ers, despite what some of the players on the team will say, um, are one of the worst teams in the league. Um, actually, probably the only team worse than them, at least by record, are the Cleveland Browns uh, at 0-10. San Francisco is 1-8, whereas the Cardinals moved to 4-4-1. And, and uh, should the Seahawks lose um, tonight, against the Patriots, which they are currently doing. Arizona, despite being just about 400 or excuse me, 500 with a tie, would only be a game back of the Seahawks. So Arizona not done yet in terms of NFC West or NFC wildcard. All right, so two games left to discuss. My team and my dad's team. Well, and actually a lot of other fans out there want to talk about the Cowboys game. 
So let's do that one first. We'll do my team last. Dallas at Pittsburgh. Growing up, if anyone growing up in the 70s, remember those Super Bowls where Steelers got the better of the Cowboys. Cowboys returned the favor in the 90s, in the 1995, I believe. And um, all those games were pretty entertaining. The ones in the 70s, for sure. Um, Cowboys beat up on them pretty good in the 90s. But two of the most decorated and beloved franchises in, in the NFL are Dallas and Pittsburgh. And they got to meet in the Steel City today and this evening. And wow, what a game. Um, quite possibly the best game of the season. That might not even be, you know, that might not even be an opinion. I don't know if there's anyone to say that there was a better game uh, than this. People love offense. And these two teams, uh, they had a lot of it. 65 combined, uh, combined scores. I believe there were four lead changes, a bunch of them in the fourth quarter. And um, it is Dallas coming out on top, 35-30. to 30, uh, Big Ben's second game back from his knee injury. Um, Steelers led this one after the first quarter, 12-10. to 10, After the second quarter, 15-13. to 13. Then Cowboys jumped on top, 25-18. to 18. Excuse me, 23-18. to 18. And then both teams scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. And actually, both teams scored touchdowns. In the final, I believe, 90 seconds, uh, Steelers actually scored their go-ahead touchdown on the Dan Marino fake spike play, which how great is that to, to be watching that? And Big Ben fakes the snap and hits Antonio Brown for the touchdown. Disbelief. I don't believe they got the two-point conversion, which happened a bunch. They missed their first three, I think, or maybe it was three on the combined day. I know they missed their first two. Um, that gave them the 12 points in the first quarter. That certainly came back to bite them in the end. And that's what people talk about all the time about, uh, you know, the gamble of going for two. Now, if you look at the mathematics and the statistical analysis, they agree with Mike Tomlin and what the Steelers have been doing. You should go for two because for every one you get there, you have to get two the more traditional way. Now, everyone's going to say, well, now when you miss a bunch of them, Look what happens. This is what happens. True. But you're going to, based on the statistics and the numbers, it makes more sense to go for two. I know there are some coaches that will just buck the trend because it's never been popular. Uh, but I don't fault Tomlin for this one. His team put up a good fight. They're a, they're a good squad. Um, are they as good as we thought? Probably not. Um, but they put up a fight against the Patriots and Steelers. Um, with Big Ben hampered and some players injured. Um, I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. I mean, for the Cowboys' sake, they wouldn't have to until February. But um, AFC teams, if the Steelers are able to get healthy and get a cohesive unit, I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. They may not win the, the division with the Ravens leading it right now, but the Steelers, if they make the playoffs, generally dangerous. Um just came up a little short today because the Cowboys had a great effort from Des Bryant, who played literally less than a day since finding out that his father passed away. He had uh, over 100 yards, a couple touchdowns. And Ezekiel Elliott, three touchdowns. Huge day from him, and he scored the game-winning touchdown with nine seconds to play. So Cowboys-Steelers, instant classic, 35-30 Dallas. And Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott continue to tear up the NFL as rookies. Uh, incredible performances by these guys. Again, they have Dallas at 8-1. and one. They've won eight in a row. They're 3-0 and o against the AFC. 
and uh, their only loss is to the Giants in week one, and that game, as my dad tells me all the time, they probably should have won. So Cowboys, 8-1, and one, looking strong, three-game lead um, pending the Giants' outcome. If the Giants win uh, tomorrow night against the Bengals, then it would be a two-game lead. But um, Cowboys, you know, everything's going for them right now. Um, I, I really hope that the Romo stories have died down because, you know, winning eight in a row, eight of nine, there's no way you can play him. <laughs> When, uh, when he's officially back and not just in a backup role. So let's take a look at Dallas's remaining schedule. They host two games in a row, Baltimore next week, and then Washington on Thanksgiving. So Baltimore, while they're in first place in the AFC North, they don't really scare me. Dallas should easily be favored in this one, especially because it's at home. I usually almost never pick against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I know Washington with Robert Griffin a few years ago put up a lot of points in them, but you know, this is a huge game for them because, well, they beat them in Washington in the second week, 27-23. But this would really send a message and really hurt the Redskins. You know, it's one of those two for deals. You win and they lose, expanding your lead in the division. Then on December 1st, they visit the Vikings, which a month ago looked like, oh, man, that could be a tough one. Now I don't know what's going on with Minnesota. Then that is also a Thursday night game. Yeah, Justin and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Dallas plays Sunday, Thursday, Thursday, then not until Sunday, and then that game is at the Giants on December 11th. So um, some tough games in a row, Baltimore, Washington, Minnesota, and the Giants. Uh, but, you know, if they can go 3-1 and one in those games, they'll be sitting pretty at 11-2. and two. Um, And if they beat Washington and the Giants, they would really control the NFC East. Then they finished the season hosting the Buccaneers, the Lions, before traveling traveling to Philadelphia on New Year's Day. Um, that game, at this rate, would be much more important for the Eagles, who could be vying for a wildcard berth. Um, but Dallas could be playing for a home field advantage to the playoffs. So um, there's your glance, glance at the Cowboys' future schedule. But they're at 8-1 after their thrilling victory over the Steelers this afternoon. And last, and at times least, the Dolphins go to San Diego today, and they actually emerge victorious. Um, yeah, hey, look at that. Dolphins win, Cowboys win, Eagles win, Ravens won Thursday night, Patriots probably going to win because all they do is win. Um, Steelers lost to the Cowboys, so you know our listening audience pretty, pretty happy. Uh, speaking of the Patriots, they're up 7-3. to three. Um, in the first quarter, hosting the Seahawks in New England on Sunday Night Football. But anyway, so Dolphins at Chargers, they get the win, 31-24. They get 24 second-half points, and um, they now, the Dolphins have won four games in a row. They're four and one in their last five, and, um, you know, they're, uh, they did it with defense today. Uh, although Ryan Tannehill had a great game, possibly one of the best of his pro career, uh, but the Dolphins... They were clinging to a 24-24 tie nearing the end of the game, final two minutes, and the Dolphins' defense was able to intercept Phillip Rivers, Kiko Alonso, former Buffalo Bill, former Philadelphia Eagle, former Oregon Duck, was able to make a brilliant play. The Dolphins looked like they were rushing seven guys at the line. You knew that wasn't going to completely happen, and right before the snap, Kiko Alonso dropped back, got into the flat, 
was covering his zone area on another guy, Red Phillips Rivers, who was going to the receiver underneath Kiko Alonso. Alonso jumped the route and took it to the house almost 60 yards, putting the Dolphins up 31-24 with about a minute to go. Then the Dolphins' Tony Lippett, former Spartan Michigan State Spartan wide receiver, turned cornerback, intercepted Rivers again um, to seal the deal. Rivers had four interceptions on the day. Jay Ajayi didn't get to 100 yards, but he did um, – uh, get a respectable amount in the 70s, and I believe he did also have a touchdown. So my Dolphins, you know, they found a way to do it. They're now 5-4, and four, above 500, and um, they needed this, though. You know, they started the season off with a tough slate. They had to go to Seattle. They had to go to New England. Um, they had to go to Cincinnati. Um, you know, now they lost to Seattle. Good team. Lost to New England. Good team. Lost to Cincinnati. Okay, they didn't look great in that game, and Cincinnati were not sure what they have. The loss to Tennessee on October 9th really upset me because I thought that was a game they had to and needed to win. And right there, I was like, well, this team's done. Well, then what do they do? They respond and beat Pittsburgh, they beat Buffalo, they beat the Jets, and they beat the Chargers. Three wins at home. Now they get the win on the road. They're going to stay in California. They have the Rams next week. Both teams are fighting for wildcard spots. So it's a big game. The Dolphins can't have a letdown in L.A. Then the Dolphins get to host San Francisco before traveling to Baltimore. San Francisco, a team that's no good. They have to win that game. Baltimore, you know, like I said, they're winning the AFC North. I don't think they're great. I think that's a winnable game. They get to host Arizona, push, travel to the Jets, probably should win that one, travel to Buffalo, I'd say push. And then they host the Patriots. So they're at five and four. They easily should win three to four more games. That would get you to eight or nine. And that's on the cusp, or at least has been over the last few years. So you got to win at least one more. You got to get to 10 and six. So they're five and four with seven games to go. They need to go five and two. If they want to make the playoffs, they've got to go five and two. So um, if you're going to lose, you better make it to, uh, you know, even though New England's coming to Miami and they've had a tough time down there, you got to think that that's going to be a loss, which means there's only one more loss to give if you want to make the playoffs. So you got to beat the Rams, you got to beat the 49ers. You could probably lose either Baltimore or Arizona, but then you got to win on the road at the Jets and Buffalo. Is it feasible? I don't know. It's tough to say. The Dolphins haven't been to the playoffs since 2008, and before that it had been since 2002. So I've seen two playoff appearances in the last, what, 15 years? Uh, so... The pessimist in me says, no, probably not going to happen. All right, so I told you the Patriots and Seahawks were playing first quarter. Seahawks just kicked the field goal to cut the Patriots' lead to 7-6, to six, so they're closing in on the end of the first quarter there. Monday night game is Cincinnati at the Giants. Must win for both teams. Bengals sit at 3-4-1, underachieving. They need a victory in the in the biggest way if they want to maintain Um their uh, their race with the Ravens and Steelers in the AFC North. Giants, you move the six and three. You're only two back of the Cowboys. You have a victory over them. You also leapfrog in front of Washington and stay in front of the Eagles by a game, game and a half. And also, you are in the prime position to hold on to one of the NFC's wild card spots. So, um, so yeah, my dad says he's having a good weekend. Penn State wins. Wilson wins. Cowboys win. Um, Quickly before I go, Penn State, very, very uh, 
close. You know, even though they won by 14, I uh, came to a brilliant second half performance and, and very much so in the fourth quarter. Um, defense made a play when they needed to. Offense, Barkley couldn't get anything going, but Trace McSorley really stepped up. He's really impressing me. And they sit at eight and two, six straight wins. They go to Rutgers this week, host Michigan State Thanksgiving weekend, win those two, which they're going to be favored in. And they go 10 and two, likely a very good bowl, quite possibly a New Year's six bowl. And now with the craziness that was college football yesterday were numbers two, Clemson three, Michigan four, Washington eight, Texas A&M and nine, Auburn all lost. Penn State's now up to nine and 10 in the coaches and AP poll or AP and coaches poll. They, these college football playoff rankings come out Tuesday night. I expect Penn State to maybe be seven, but probably be eight. Should Ohio State beat Michigan in two weeks, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, the final weekend of the season. Penn State, if they beat Rutgers at Michigan State, will play in the Big Ten title game representing the Big Ten East, most likely against Wisconsin. So you go 10-2, and two, possibly make the Big Ten title game. Uh, what a successful uh, third year it would be for James Franklin and company. I know uh, everyone is impressed with the uh, what they've been doing on offense. Uh, Moorhead, the new offensive coordinator, has uh, has stepped it up. The offense is clicking. I would need to see more of the same against Rutgers and Michigan State and just, you know, let the pieces fall where they may. And uh, Penn State's doing their part. Win your last two very winnable games and double-digit wins, possibly a chance for a Big Ten title, definitely a good bowl game. So, what you know, after September, people were wondering where this team was going and look where they are now. So, all right. I think it's time to wrap things up here for me. Remember, you can listen to us on the show every other Sunday now during a football season because Justin and I do the Bulldog Hour on the other Sundays. Um, go to jmnjrradio.com. There you can find the live audio stream for these live shows. You can also find the Ustream video feed if we can do it on Ustream. The internet's a little wonky right now. I haven't been able to do that. And um, you know, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, hit up all the sites. And, uh, I think that's it. So that wraps up everything from me on episode 217 of the Joe Mays and JRAF show. And, uh, we hope you enjoyed NFL week 10. And hopefully Justin and I will be back in two weeks, uh, Sunday of Thanksgiving talking about all of the Turkey Day NFL action and everything else from the National Football League in week 12. Until next time, I'm Joe Mays. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show. Tune in every Sunday for the latest sports discussions from Joe and Justin. Each episode is available live on Ustream or Mixler and can be downloaded or streamed on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can interact with Joe and Justin on Facebook and Twitter. And stay up to date with the guys at JoeMaysAndJRaff.com. The Joe Mays and J-Raff Show is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. For more info, visit jmnjrradio.com.